but for me it meant that I was going to finally be able to move on with my life and hopefully live a life that I always wanted for myself to hopefully be an active person and to not always be held back by this physical limitation. So I was really excited about it and it wasn't until after the surgery that it really dawned on me, well gosh, like that means that somebody died. And and I'm now living this life because of someone's loss. Hi, and welcome to the sixth episode of the Infinite Hope Podcast, presented by the Living Legacy Foundation of Maryland. My name is Emma, and I'm your host for today. In this podcast, we explore the impact of organ, eye, and tissue donation through diverse voices. The podcast will share stories, told in the first person, of people who have been personally impacted by these gifts of life, healing, and hope. We hope our listeners will learn something new about donation and transplantation and become empowered to register themselves as organ donors. In today's episode, we're talking with Donna Pierce, a heart valve recipient who is excited to share her transplant journey. Alongside her involvement in the donation community, she is also a wonderful advocate for health and fitness in her career and personal life something she was only able to achieve because of her life-saving transplant. We look forward to telling you how she got to where she is now. So, without further ado, here is Donna Pierce. Hi, my name is Donna Pierce, and I am a 20-year heart valve recipient. I own a uh, fitness facility in Baltimore, Maryland, and I'm also a member of Team Maryland having participated one time in the transplant games in 2018. I was actually born with a congenital heart condition. It was at nine months old that I was diagnosed with a heart murmur, but it was around ages nine to 10 when I began experiencing symptoms that prevented me from being able to participate in a great deal of physical activities. I remember several occasions where I would pass out from running during sports or gym class. And it was at this point that doctors investigated further and diagnosed me with congenital aortic stenosis. I grew up in New Jersey, so at this time, fortunately, we had excellent medical care at Columbia Presbyterian in New York City. And so from the ages of 9 to 22, I underwent several valvuloplasties that would temporarily alleviate my symptoms as my physicians were waiting for better technology to come along with a better solution for me. A valvuloplasty is a procedure used to open a stiff or obstructed heart valve by inserting a catheter into the aorta. A balloon at the tip of the catheter is then inflated until the flaps of the valve are pushed open. Once the valve has been opened, the doctor deflates the balloon and removes the catheter. While these procedures did provide short-term relief for Donna, the doctors knew that the only chance she had at living a full life was with a heart valve transplant. So I did know that at some point I would be facing valve replacement, but I didn't know when that would be. And throughout this time frame, I wasn't allowed to participate in school sports and gym class was sporadic at best, depending on what it was that we were doing. I often had to sit on the sidelines just watching my fellow classmates so easily do things that were such a challenge for me. So as the years passed, I always had this limitation, and while the valvuloplasties would help alleviate some of the symptoms, it never was quite the ultimate fix that I was looking for. 
And so when I was about 22 years old, I was in graduate school. My friends took me to a country bar to go line dancing for the very first time. And I actually passed out while doing the line dance. And it was at this point that I was told that I was actually going to go ahead and have my open heart surgery and valve replacement. And so what I ended up having was not just a valve replacement from either the choices at the time where I could have a pig valve or a mechanical valve, which they felt that a pig valve, I would have to have another procedure every eight years or so. But I was a young girl. I was like 28 at the time. So and a mechanical valve just wouldn't give me the quality of life that I so longed for. So I was actually told that I would be having something called the Ross procedure, which is where they actually take my own pulmonary valve, put it in the aortic position, and then they use a donor valve to put in the pulmonary position. And that was the technology that I'm very appreciative that my physicians were always waiting for. You know, we would see it in the research and my doctors would sort of talk about the fact that it was a tissue valve, but I didn't fully comprehend what that meant. So as we were preparing for my surgery and getting everything in order, it didn't fully hit me as to what that meant that I was receiving tissue from a donor and that that meant that that person was giving a gift and and their family was consenting to give a gift, you know, basically in someone's tragedy that now that would be something that was helping me and saving me and affording me a better life. You know, the doctors never really discussed that side of things with me. So really, like I was just going into my surgery thinking, okay, great, I'm going to go have the surgery. I'm going to start living. I'm going to start being able to to move on with my life because I was very frustrated because, you know, here I am a young woman and every four or five years I'm having to have another procedure. So I kind of looked to the open heart surgery. Like I was really excited to have it. I know that sounds crazy, but for me, it meant that I was going to finally be able to move on with my life and hopefully live a life that I always wanted for myself to hopefully be an active person and to not always be held back by this physical limitation. So I was really excited about it. And it wasn't until after the surgery that it really dawned on me, well, gosh, like, that means that somebody died. And, and I'm now living this life because of someone's loss. It was then that Donna understood the responsibility of the gift she had received and vowed to herself that she would live the rest of her life in a way that would make her donor proud. And I really made a choice in the hospital that I want to do everything that I can to honor her every single day. And I wanted to make sure that I live a lifestyle that I, I kind of said at the time, like I, and I talked to my doctor about it, that I, I don't want to do anything to mess this up. And I don't want to do something that wouldn't honor my donor. And so I, you know, I was giving up every bad thing that I possibly could, you know, like I would give up caffeine, I would stop eating X or Y or Z, because it was so important to me to do good. And I really have tried to live my life in a way that I do good with the gift that I was given. And I truly think of her every single day and thank her for this life that I would never have had if it weren't for her. I even remember when I learned about my donor and I was told by my donor organization that I was able to write a letter to the family. It was so interesting because 
I, I sat on it, like I, they told me that I could write it and then I sat on it. I didn't do anything in that moment. And I went to bed that night. And then I woke up the next morning and the letter that I wrote just poured out of me. She's on my mind every single day and I thank her and her family every single day. And to finally be able to have a way of communicating that something that had been on my mind every single day for, I mean, at that point, it must have been 15 years. It just poured out of me, you know, and I, I have gone on to the online system and have said that I would be willing to have communication if they were, but I haven't heard back and that's okay because I understand their wishes. And for me to just be able to say, thank you, has been extremely meaningful to me and I'm just so grateful that I was able to to be able to say it. So shortly after my procedure I started thinking about what it was that I wanted to do because I always wanted I always longed to be this athletic person but I just wasn't able to to do it before so I started just working on my own fitness level but then I realized very shortly that I wanted to have a change in career because this was something that I didn't just want for myself, but I feel like everybody in their life struggles with something at one time or another. And we all kind of come to exercise with our own physical and mental limitations. And I wanted to take my own experiences and help others go that were potentially going through something of their own use and build off of my own life experiences. So it was shortly about three or four months after, after I had my valve replacement that I did actually pursue a career in fitness and did change my career. That has been just such a rewarding experience for me to be able to draw on my own life experiences in order to help others. And then that actually expanded through the years, and now it's been almost 11 years that I've now been a co-owner of a gym. There were so many times growing up when I was running or biking that I would pass out and really become symptomatic with that. And so I wanted to do these things, but at the same time, there was a lot of fear that goes along with it because leading up to this, if I would push it a little bit too hard or too fast, I would pass out and there were consequences to that. So when you sort of intelligently know that you're okay, but everything leading up to that point has shown you otherwise. And so when I really first started getting into exercise, I had years and years and years of fear to knock down. And it wasn't until I actually had been working in the fitness industry quite a while. And it wasn't until I started doing CrossFit and I was introduced to CrossFit that I really started being able to tackle that fear. And it was very subconscious at first. I didn't even realize that it was happening because leading up to it, I had actually like a year after my surgery to kind of show myself that I was okay. I participated in a marathon and I did it, but it was slow and it was horrible. I'm like a one and done. I never want to do that again. But I also did start competing in triathlons and century rides, which is a 100 mile bike ride. And so these things were kind of just to show me and tell me that I was okay, but I still had the, the mental block um, as far as there was a lot of fear. It wasn't until I was introduced to CrossFit for the first time and then eventually opened my business with that practice in mind that 
I started noticing like, hey, I'm doing this workout and I feel short of breath and my heart rate is high, but somehow I'm okay and there's no consequences. And so little by little and workout by workout, I started noticing that that fear was going away a little bit, a little bit each time. And that really started to become like this huge weight lifted off of my shoulders of that if you sort of do everything with little baby steps and work your way into these more intense and challenging exercises that your body adapts and that you can do it. And so that was a huge relief for me and to now be able to start approaching things with confidence. And now I feel very much so like there's nothing physical that I cannot do. And I didn't feel that way for a very, very long time. So to be able to come to that and, you know, I'm 48 years old now, it's been 20 years. It feels like you're on top of the world. And I want everybody to be able to feel like that. So at, at my gym, RNL Fitness in Baltimore, our mantra is train to live because we strongly feel that we're going to take your workouts in the gym so that you can live the best life possible outside of the gym. It is our goal that you feel that you're empowered and that you, and you don't feel limited by whatever it is that's holding you back. We really want people to live the best life that they can possibly live. So drawing upon my own experiences and being able to help others overcome their own obstacles has just been such a huge, huge reward for me and, and in my career. And I'm just so happy to be able to do what I can to help others that are also going through something. Although she happily agreed to join our podcast today, Donna revealed to us that it actually took her a long time to want to publicly share her transplant story. When I had my procedure, I actually celebrated my 28th birthday in the hospital recovering. So that whole time, I was always sort of looked on, upon as a, like a sickly person. And so afterwards, I think for a long time, I was just really reveling in the fact that people kind of looked at me as someone who was fit and well. And so I didn't really talk about it that much unless, for example, I was just doing more of a one-on-one -on -one with my clients knew about it. My close friends, my family obviously knew about it, but I didn't share it, my story with my larger community because I wanted to be seen as a fit person for the first time in my life. So it wasn't until actually after a few years of having owned my business, my business partner and I were having a heartfelt conversation and she, she encouraged me to talk about it because on a bigger picture, you know, aside from the people that I'm close to and my clientele and things like that, I could really maybe make an impact or a difference. And so I promised her that in the next opportunity that I would, and I'm, and I'm also, I also have always tended to be a more private person as well. So I told her the next time the opportunity arises, I'll, I'll take you up on that and I'll, I'll share my story. So a couple of months go by and we're actually being interviewed for a local magazine. And the interviewer just happened to ask a question in such a way that my business partner and I looked at each other. I took a big deep breath and I'm like, okay. And I shared my story. And that was the very first time that I had done that. And since that time, 
like shortly after the article came out, I shared it with my surgeon and then he actually shared it with my donor organization. And since that time, I've actually been able to learn more about my donor. I've been able to write a thank you letter to her family. And having finally shared my story after all these years has just been the most rewarding thing that I, I just, it's overwhelming to me, all of this good that has come from sharing and it's really even changed me as a person to where now I really understand fully in so many more ways, like the full impact of donation. I've been able to do a lot of speaking and sharing my story, but then I've gotten to meet so many just truly amazing, remarkable and inspiring people. And I'm just so thankful to be a part of this amazing community that I've really been enveloped by and embraced by. And I'm just so appreciative to be a part of it. And finally, because all donors are superheroes, we asked Donna the question we ask all our podcast guests. If you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? Oh my gosh, I have to think about that one. I, I really think it goes off of what I was saying before, like having lived the life that I've had and being able to come back from that and like I was talking about earlier where I feel so empowered and I feel like I can come across things without fear and and to not feel like I'm limited that to me is a superpower and you know I say this if it all stopped tomorrow I would be okay because I'm so grateful that I even had it being a tissue recipient going through what I went through, that is my superpower. <laughs> and it allows me to look at life in a very different way should I have not had these challenges and experiences. And, you know, and, and I truly, truly want everybody that I know and everybody in the world to live the best life that they can possibly live for themselves. And if I can have some small piece in helping them to accomplish that, then like I said, that is a superpower. So thank you so much for this opportunity to share my story with all of you. I really appreciate it. And if you're ever in the area, come and check out RNL Fitness. We're located off of Green Spring Avenue in Baltimore. Thank you so much to Donna for sharing her story with us. It's so inspiring to not only see how this transplant changed her career and health for the better, but also see how she's used her second chance at life to go forth and help others. Her passion is remarkable. As a quick reminder, if you would like to register as an organ donor, you can do so quickly and easily online at www.registerme.org. And for more information about organ donation, please visit our website, www.thellf.org. And that's our show. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like today's podcast, please consider leaving us a rating of five stars to help us reach more people. Be sure to join us next time as we continue telling the stories of people personally impacted by organ, eye, and tissue donation. And remember, organ donor is not just a box you check. It means giving second chances. It means infinite hope.